say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Your AEW Dynamite review is on. Here we go! Hosted by a man who doesn't care how many roads to the top there are. The Solomonster. What is going on, guys? I got some, uh, let's see what we got. We got Blueberry Stoli with uh, OJ. I call it the uh, the Solomonster Screwdriver. Which I'm going to need, I'm going to need more than a few of these to get through this week. This is night one of five straight nights of live streaming here on the channel. Our busiest week of the year and already off to a great start. AEW Dynamite was live tonight from Houston, Texas. This was the, you might call this the uh, the go-home show to Rampage. Since that's what everybody is waiting for on Friday night. But I thought that this was overall a pretty enjoyable show. We're going to pick it apart as we go along here. I didn't like everything on this show. And there's actually a plot point in the main event that really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me in that Jericho match. As far as the finish goes, you might be able to figure out what it was. We'll talk about the fifth labor of Jericho with a uh, surprising finish. And some other announcements concerning not only Rampage on Friday, but All Out coming up in a few weeks. And one other thing I want to mention here before we move on is that for our channel members, there is a brand new members-only Q&A over an hour that I recorded the other day answering your questions about CM Punk in AEW, Roman Reigns' greatest rival, who I think it is, and the one movie that you absolutely, under no circumstances, I implore you not to see this movie. All that and a whole lot more packed into that video over an hour long. That is exclusively for our Sound Up channel members. And uh, I do hope that you will consider becoming one. So, let's get on with it, shall we? Let's talk about this show tonight, AEW Dynamite. Pretty hot crowd in Houston. Just under 5,000 in the building tonight. We opened with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston heading through the crowd. They were on their way to the ring when they were attacked by 2.0. Matt and Jeff, 2.0 attacked them, and Daniel Garcia as well, the three of them, three on two. 2.0, we found out on Talk is Jericho, were signed to AEW contracts. I think I made the comment last week. I wasn't really sure if they had signed officially or not, uh, but they have signed contracts with AEW, which is very cool for them, right? They got laid off. They got fired from NXT. Uh, One of them, I believe Matt, is about to have a child any day now. Pretty uncertain times. And they get an opportunity not only to go to AEW, but they've been working with Sting. So I'm sure for those two guys, you talk about a step up from what they were doing before on NXT television. So anyway, they uh, climb into the ring, 2.0 and uh, Danny Garcia. And Matt Lee calls out Sting and Darby. Because tonight they're going to have a Texas tornado match. But they're not going to wait. They say, get a referee on out here. Let's do this right now. So we're going to open the show with the Texas Tornado match. Sting. 
wrestling his first match on TNT in 20 years. It was 20 years ago in March this year. The final WCW Monday Nitro from Panama City Beach, Club La Vila. I love Tony Schiavone name-dropping Club La Vila, which I don't believe is there anymore. I want to say it was burned down, unless I'm thinking of something else. But I don't believe Club La Vila is there anymore. But on that show, it was Sting against Ric Flair in the final official WCW match. And so here is Sting back, his first AEW match on television, not on pay-per-view, tagging with Darby Allin to take on 2.0. And I like that Sting came out first, got a great reaction. Darby came out second, the way it should be. And Darby Allin came from out of the crowd with his skateboard to attack. Sting and Darby are taking it to them right away. They immediately brawl up into the crowd, and they go up a little bit into one of the uh, upper sections into this, uh, what, what do they call the, the like a lobby area or whatever? I forgot the name of it. But they brawl over there, and the heels gain the advantage. They, they picked up Darby Allen. They whacked his head into the roof because there was a roof that was sort of the uh, overhanging that particular section. So they take out Darby, and now Sting is all by himself. And they're beating on this guy, this, this 62-year-old man, <laughs> who I have to say, for a 62-year-old guy, and you guys know the reservations I had about Sting getting physical after being away for five years, spinal stenosis. We all saw how his career came to an end in WWE. Not the way I'm sure he, he wanted his career to end. And I had a lot of reservations about him getting back in the ring in AEW. So when I heard that Tony Khan had pitched the idea to him about doing cinematic-style matches, I thought that would be a great fit for Sting, right? You can do a few cinematic matches a year. You can pre-tape them, edit them. If anything doesn't look right or whatever, they can protect him. We have now Sting wrestle. We've seen Sting wrestle two legitimate matches in one cinematic match. I believe this was match number three for him. He looked great in that last match against Team Taz. He looked a lot better than I thought. He did a dive off of a a platform, if you remember, off the stage, I think it was, in that match. And he looked like he turned back the hands of time. He impressed me in that match. Now, he's still early 60s. He looks great. The face paint helps a lot. When you're wearing face paint or you're wearing a mask, like a lot of the older luchadors do in the Mexican promotions, it can hide your age. He walked out there tonight, no T-shirt. He was in his sting gear, and not for nothing. He looked good. You know, all things considered, he's still keeping himself in great shape. They're picking their spots with Sting. They did do a table spot in the match with him tonight, which was probably more of a risk than I would have wanted him to take. But I have to say, you know, now having seen him in these few matches, he's looked good. You know, he's obviously putting the work in, staying in shape. And tonight was no different. You know, tonight Sting went in there, and I thought he came out of this uh, looking pretty damn good. So anyway, the heels are uh, taking it to Sting. Eddie Kingston, who was taken out at the beginning of the show with John Moxley. Eddie Kingston reappears, even the odds up a little bit. So they all brawl back down to ringside. 2.0 suplexes Darby onto his skateboard, but the underbelly, so where the wheels are. They suplex him onto the skateboard. Doesn't look like that felt too good. I can't imagine it did. But that's what Darby does to himself because he's a crazy man. So now it's Sting and 2.0. He's fighting them both off in the ring all by himself. He goes in the corner. He's doing the 10 punches in the corner. All of a sudden, Jeff Parker cuts him off. And this is the spot where they turned it into a 
uh, double powerbomb through a table that had been set up in the ring. They powerbomb Sting through this table. And within two seconds, Sting pops right back up. He pulled a Hogan. This is the sort of thing we saw Hulk Hogan doing in WCW back in the day where he no-sold everybody's move. One of the things that pissed me off more than anything else was watching Hogan no-sell a Vader powerbomb in WCW where he just got right back up. We saw him do it to everybody. He did it to Savage after Savage would drop five elbows on him. So Sting gets up and he no-sells this table spot, but the crowd ate it up. And he starts banging his chest and everything like he's gaining strength, he's gaining energy, and the the crowd is really into it here. And 2.0 can't believe it. Huge pop for this. Darby reappears. He drop kicks both heels into Sting, who grabs each of them by the head in position for the Scorpion Death Drop. And he delivers a double Death Drop to both members of 2.0. Follows that up with something that I've never seen before. At least I've never seen Sting do this before. He stacked them both up, and he put them in a double uh, Scorpion Death Lock. But what I liked about this is the fact that he sat back on it. Now, Sting, for the longest time when he uses that move... I'm sure because he's older, his knees aren't what they used to be. He just stands up, and it doesn't look good. And I've said before, I'd rather, if if he's going to put the move on that way, I'd rather he just use the Scorpion Death Drop as a finisher. He sat back on it tonight. He applied pressure to this move, and both members of 2.0 submitted, giving Sting and Darby the win. I thought this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this opener a lot. It was a hot opener. The live crowd ate it up. So did I. I know a lot of people who were not happy with the table spot and him no-selling it. It's 2.0. Now, if he had done that to two more established heels in the company, maybe it would have bothered me, but it didn't bother me here. I thought this was a lot of fun. And I love the way that they have used Sting to legitimize Darby Allin as a top star in this company. And, of course, Darby was already a star, right? People loved Darby Allin even before Sting came in. He was already a, a big name in AEW. But what they've done with Sting is they have attached the two of them together. And they have used Sting in a way that if you are not an AEW fan and you're tuning in, you hear that Sting is going to be wrestling on the show and you're maybe you're an old WCW fan or something, and you tune in and you're watching Sting each week, you're seeing Sting backing up Darby Allin and associating himself with Darby Allin. I just like the way that they're using him to put Darby over. I think that's the right way to go about using these legends. You know, you use them in a way to put over the existing talent in the company. I mean, look at the way they're using a lot of the legends that they have. Arn Anderson, Jake Roberts, right? I mean, so that that is the way that these legends should be used. Although I'll get to Paul White in a little bit. We're going to talk about the big show a little bit later on. As far as Sting winning the match, you know, yes, ideally you want Darby to get the win. I know that might bother some people. If it were me, I, you know, I would have Darby, you know, getting the win in, in most of these matches. But I think the logic here is that Darby is on television in the ring every week. Sting is not in the ring every week. Again, Sting has been in the company since December. This is only his third match. Darby is on television almost every single week. He's the one picking up the win. He just won a match last week. And then again a few weeks ago against Ethan Page. He's racking up these weekly wins on television so that when you have these rare matches where Sting is in the match, you know, giving him the win, I I get it. Like, I understand why they would would do it that way. So it doesn't bother me too much. But I do like the way they've been using Sting. 
This, to me, can be used as an example of how you use your legends. Instead of castrating them on television, as we have seen in other places. Or (laughs) taking someone like Sting and putting him in the ring with Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. That being the big difference between what we saw tonight and what we're going to see on Saturday in Las Vegas. So I don't want to hear from the brigade saying, oh, wait a minute, though. You know, the uh, the whataboutism. I usually shut that shit down pretty quick. When people come at me with the whataboutism, I usually knock them out within seconds. Not the same thing. Earlier today, they were taping Dark and Elevation, and we saw highlights of something special that happened. We, we had heard that Darby, or not Darby, but uh, Sammy Guevara, was going to have a special announcement, a major announcement of some kind. And I was thinking, as the week went on, maybe he's going to challenge Miro for the TNT title it all out, because Miro has no match, Sammy has no match as of right now. Well, as it turned out, it was a different kind of match. As Bobby Heenan would say, it's the match made in hell, (laughs) as opposed to the match made in heaven. Sammy Guevara was in the ring with his girlfriend Pam, who we've never seen before. At least not on TV. Maybe in his vlog. I I don't see all of his vlogs. But he was in the ring with his girlfriend. He had the mic. He said he wants to spend the rest of his life with her. And he proposed to his girlfriend in the middle of the ring here in Houston, Texas. His hometown. Maybe he had family there. Lucky for him, she didn't go running and screaming the other way. I saw a proposal at a baseball game. This was like maybe a month ago. And you never know in these situations if it's all like set up is it real is it not real but there was a horrible uh wedding proposal gone terribly wrong at some baseball game not too long ago where the guy got down on one knee it wasn't like on the field it was in the stands but he gets down on one knee he proposes and the woman literally like she puts her hands over her face and she says no 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 and she goes running away and that poor fucker was i mean what must be going through that guy's head I mean, when you propose in a public setting like that, you have to know there's a 50-50 chance it could go the other way. Thankfully for Sammy, he did not end up like that poor bastard. She said yes, and I guess the two of them now are uh, going to be happily, they're going to be living happily ever after. So uh, congrats to the happy couple. So last week, Britt Baker was the... Hometown uh, hero, I guess. She was the hometown girl in Pittsburgh. Tonight, it was Sammy Guevara's turn in Houston. He was out there for his match against Sean Spears. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sean Spears, not someone who I uh, am exactly excited to see on television, but this is a feud now that has been going on for quite some time. Think of how long the inner circle and the pinnacle were feuding for. Going back even before the Blood and Guts match in May. So these two have been locking horns now for, for quite some time. The hope coming into this show is that this would be the payoff. This felt like the payoff finally to this feud that would never end. 
hopefully <laughs> Shazam in the chat says Solomon monster screwdriver sounds like both a finisher and a sex position I thought you were going to make reference to the uh, Scott Steiner move the Steiner screwdriver I'd rather have one of these than take a Steiner screwdriver if you ever saw Scott Steiner give somebody that move Sammy made his entrance and Sean Spears attacked him from behind Sammy very quickly recovered. He hit a running flip dive off the ramp onto Spears on the floor. So Sammy is beating him down at ringside. He gets sent into the ring steps. Tully Blanchard gets up on the ring steps and he helps uh, Sean Spears with the assisted stuff pile driver on the floor. Then the bell rings. The bell had not yet rung. So now the bell rings. The match is officially underway. Spears and Tully, they go for another pile driver, but this time Aubrey Edwards stops Tully Blanchard. She ejects him from the match. And Tully is uh, kicking and screaming, but he's gone. Okay, so Tully's out of the equation. During the break, Sean Spears was setting up one of those metal guardrails as a, a bridge from the ring to the barricade. And that would come into play later on in the match. So both men end up on the top rope. And I was a little concerned here because the way they were positioned, it almost looked as if Sammy might be trying for a Spanish fly off the top rope onto the guardrail, which would have been, that would not have had a very positive outcome, I think, for either man. Instead, Sean Spears flips him off, and so Sammy decides to give him a cutter. He gives him a cutter all the way from the top rope down to the, down to the mat for a near fall. After that, Sean Spears made a comeback. He countered a top rope Rana into an Avalanche C4, which is his finisher, for a near fall. Sammy escapes another C4 attempt on the apron, and he sends Spears onto the barricade that I mentioned a moment ago, the, the bridge. Gives him a Death Valley driver, which bent the guardrail. And Spears goes bouncing off down to the floor. Sammy climbs up to the top row once he gets Sean Spears back in the ring. Up goes Sammy. He hits a 630, which always looks insanely dangerous to me. 630 senton off the top rope, and Sean Spears kicks out. That I did not like. That is where, to me, you know, you have these matches with these near falls. That, to me, is where they just about jump the shark. That was the one near fall. That was one near fall too, too much for me. And there weren't even that many of them, but that one... Kicking out, having Sean Spears of all people kick out of that move, that I didn't like. So, somewhere in here, Spears got busted open hard way. Sammy blasted him with a series of knee strikes, flipped him off, mouthed the words, This is over, and hit his GTH, the go to hell. And he got the pin. And Sean Spears has been vanquished, hopefully once and for all, by Sammy Guevara. Again, that was one big kick out. Too many for my liking on that 630. But I, I love, you know, otherwise I like the match. I like the intensity here. This felt like a blow-off between two men who do not like one another. The right man went over. I thought this was really good. And look, I said a long time ago here on, on one of the streams that one day, and this is back when Sammy was still heel with the inner circle and they were still the, the top heel faction in the company. One day Sammy Guevara will be a top babyface in this company. And we saw that on display here in this match tonight. Christian Cage, the new Impact and uh, slash TNA World Heavyweight Champion, 
was backstage being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Immediately, before he could even say anything, he was interrupted by Don Callis, who's being very sarcastic in his congratulations for Christian a winning against Kenny Omega last week, but he makes it very clear Christian will not beat Omega at all out. It's nice that he got the big win, he won his uh, Impact title, but he will not win the AEW championship. And Christian said that he's in Omega's head now, Omega is terrified that he is going to take the one thing that means the most to him in this world, the AEW world title, before calling Callus a carny piece of shit. Well, no lies detected there. This would not be the last time we saw either of these men here on this show. Shout out, by the way, to uh, that timestamp guy in the chat who is always uh, working overtime here every week. Always the first one in the live chat before I even go uh, live on the air. So I hope timestamp guy is having himself a great night. One person who uh, did not seem to be having a great night was Dan Lambert who seemed very angry. He was very vocal, he was very loud and very obnoxious, which I guess was the point, but I just thought he was obnoxious to the point where I almost muted my television. Dan Lambert of American Top Team. The last time we saw him on this show was many weeks ago. He was being laid out after one of his old man yells at cloud speeches in the ring. He was laid out by the blackout, by Lance Archer. And he was supposed to be on the show last week. It got pushed back. For whatever reason, it got pushed back an extra week. He was back this week, but he didn't come alone. He came with two names that will be very familiar to MMA fans. Andre Arlovsky and Junior Dos Santos were out there standing in the ring as backup for old Danny Boy. And I'm summarizing here because he went on and went on about You know, he was talking about how he was silenced and he was ragging on millennials and he called them soft and triggered. And, you know, he said that uh, Dos Santos and Arlovsky, they're ready for a fight. AEW is not the answer for all you people. It is not the answer to your professional wrestling prayers. He said AEW has a roster full of wannabe tough guys who cannot wrestle. Lance Archer comes out, no longer the IWGP United States champion. He had a short run. He had a very short run here with that championship. Lost it to Tanahashi at the uh, New Japan Resurgence show this past weekend. So out he comes, and he is on his way to the ring, I guess, to lay out Lambert or try to take out the MMA crew, but he gets attacked from behind. It's a setup, and he gets attacked by Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. And that was the whole segment. They just kind of beat him up. They they left the big guy just laying in the aisleway on the ramp. Uh, I thought that was pretty lame. You know, Lambert is a huge wrestling fan. For those who don't know who he is. I mean, he's not just known, you know, in the coaching as a great coach and in the MMA world. He's a huge professional wrestling fan. He has a unbelievable championship belt collection. If you watch the WWE Most Wanted Treasure show on A&E, he's in one of the episodes. So he's a diehard, legit wrestling fan. Uh, he's got great charisma. He can talk. He can cut a promo. We know that. This didn't resonate with me. I didn't like this 
as much as you know the last segment that he had all those weeks ago, it felt like he was trying too hard. This felt very forced to me. It just felt to me they were just borrowing. They w- Somebody went online or he went online and they're just borrowing from every trope they could find about the millennial generation, you know, the social media generation, and how can I be like Jim Cornette, which is basically what he did in his first promo. It was almost like he was their version of Cornette. It was easy heat, right? In front of that audience, you know you're going to get booed. There was a little bit of that here too, but I don't know. This this just felt incredibly forced to me. Uh, I didn't think this was as good as his first appearance, but it looks like he'll be sticking around. I mean, apparently, uh, I guess there's some kind of alliance now with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. So we'll be seeing more of Dan Lambert on TV, I assume. See, I think he's someone who could be a really good manager. Great mouthpiece. We saw some of that at Impact Wrestling. Remember when Bobby Lashley was doing the American Top Team stuff? But this material here was just very forced. You know? Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus of Jurassic Express against the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championship. This was about as much movement and insanity as you could possibly pack into 10 minutes. That's how long the match was. It was 10 minutes. It was not very long. But they did a lot of stuff. It's a good word for it. A lot of action here. I enjoyed this. I thought the match itself, we'll talk about the interference in a second, but uh, I thought this was really, really good stuff. I enjoyed the match itself. And some great near falls. The crowd was into it. Uh, but just insanity from bell to bell. It's almost impossible when you're trying to watch this show. This is the one thing that just irks me about Dynamite. As somebody who isn't just watching it as a fan, but is trying to take notes and, and is you know preparing for a review immediately after. You want to keep track of everything that's going on. You don't want to miss anything, right? Everything on this show, it's so manic. It's just boom, 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 boom. They don't give you any time to just absorb it. And, you know, matches like this kind of fit in that same category. There's a bunch of moves and stuff. But these two teams are really good at it. We, You know what you're going to get with the Young Bucks. Jurassic Express, I love them as a team. I think they're great. So you put these two teams together, you know they're going to have a good match. Uh, but there's just so much going on here. We had Nick taunting Jungle Boy early on. Jungle Boy took him out with a pescado and uh, hit his springboard arm drag and a lariat tagged in luchasaurus after that matt jackson tagged in immediately though he gets taken down jungle boy tags back in hits a hurricane rana off the apron to the floor matt jackson took out jungle boy with a running drop kick and then he hit a corner dive out over the top onto luchasaurus on the floor they go to a break we come back from break and jungle boy hits his uh rebound lariat Hot tags Luchasaurus back into the match. Crowd is really into this. Luchasaurus, he's fighting off both bucks all by himself, but he eats a corner knee. He escapes the uh, bulldog on the follow-up. Hits a double clothesline. Jungle Boy hits a, a gigantic superplex off of Luchasaurus's shoulders for a near fall. So Luchasaurus hits the tail whip, cyclone kick. He's going through his moveset here. Double choke slam on both bucks. Uh, before an assisted cutter gets a near fall. So the Bucks counter their finisher. They're going for Thoracic Express, and they counter it, hit a double super kick on Jungle Boy. They hit an indie taker to Jungle Boy for what I thought was a great near fall. Marco's stunt is out there. 
Marco Stunt. I enjoy it when somebody comes out and uh, beats the crap out of Marco Stunt. It just, you know, just kind of fills me with joy. Puts a smile on my face. So as Marco Stunt is out on the apron trying to root on, right? He's trying to root on Jungle Boy, root on his boys. Kenny Omega sneaks up from behind him and whacks him with a chair. And I laughed. Thank you, Kenny Omega. This is exactly, by the way, what happened on Rampage last week when the Bucks snuck down to provide the assist to Omega in his match with Christian, and they put a chair in the ring. And that's what Omega did here. Christian Cage comes out. He fights Omega to the back. But in the ring, Jungle Boy, referee's attention is diverted. Jungle Boy hits a brain buster onto the chair. So they're going for the same finish we saw last Friday on Rampage, right? The crowd's going nuts. Nick Jackson breaks up the pinfall at the last second. See, that near fall I loved. Because they had the crowd believing that we were going to see with the Bucks what happened with Omega. Omega lost his belts. They figured the Bucks would lose theirs. You could tell just based on the reaction. A lot of people bought into that near fall. I bought into it even for a couple of seconds there. So I like how they played off Rampage last week. Jurassic Express hit their finisher this time. Nick breaks it up at the last second. Jungle Boy fights off all the outside interference. Luchasaurus hits a moonsault onto the pile. Nick Jackson pushes Matt out of a backslide, and the Bucks hit the BTE trigger to Jungle Boy, and they get the 1-2-3. So Young Bucks retain their titles. No surprise here. I, I didn't expect them to lose the championships. Yeah, I was going to say before All Out. I don't expect them to lose them at All Out either. I'm really hoping that, you know, we can get that Santana and Ortiz match with the Bucks at Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is about a month away. I don't know what the medical update is on Cash Wheeler. There was no mention, uh, unless I missed it, no mention of FTR tonight uh, or Santana and Ortiz. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They might just be waiting. They may not even know if Wheeler is going to be cleared for them to have a rematch at All Out. Because I think they're waiting to get that match out of the way. You know, Santana and Ortiz lost. In that match where Wheeler got hurt, Dawson got the win. Or uh, Harwood got the win. So I think they're waiting. They want to do the rematch. At least one more match between those two teams. You know, maybe their plans get pushed back. I, I just think that would be, in New York City next month, the perfect setting to put the belts on Santana and Ortiz and, and finally have this uh, reign of terror that the Bucks have been on come to an end. But I think a lot of it may depend on the health status of uh, Cash Wheeler. But 
Again, I thought there was some great stuff here. Too much interference. I agree with a lot of you. The interference at this point and all the Young Bucks stuff is just ridiculous. But, but, logically, it is paying off in a match that makes sense. We found out a little bit later on uh, about a cage match, which I'll get to in just a second. But this wasn't over yet. Gallows brought Christian back out. He was slung over his shoulder, so Christian had been beaten up. They go back in the ring, and the Elite, they're beating down everybody. They're beating down Jurassic Express. They're beating down Christian. Omega gets Christian up. He hits the one-winged angel. And so the heels are standing tall at the very end. Now, later in the show, Tony Schiavone informs the Elite backstage that Tony Khan has made a tag team eliminator tournament with Varsity Blondes, Private Party, Lucha Bros, and Jurassic Express. And the winner of this tournament will meet the Young Bucks at All Out in Chicago on September 5th for the tag team titles, and that match will be inside of a steel cage. So to go back to what I was just talking about, all of the interference that we've been seeing as annoying and overdone and overbooked as it is, at least it had a purpose because it's going to pay off in a cage match, right? To keep out all the riffraff, to keep out Brandon Cutler, and to keep out Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. How do you do that? You put them in a cage. So that's the match they're going to do it all out. Again, I don't expect the title change on that show. I'm looking at these four teams. It's not going to be Private Party. It's not going to be Varsity Blondes. So it's going to be Lucha Bros or Jurassic Express in a rematch. Right now, my gut tells me Jurassic Express get another match. If they're going to do another match, they may well win the belts. I I personally believe a lot of it has to do with uh, how quickly they think they can transition away from Santana and Ortiz and FTR. I think that might determine the outcome of that tag team title match at the pay-per-view. And if they don't think they're going to be able to get to where they want to be in time for the big stadium show, they might just pull the trigger on all out. But just looking at those four teams, it's going to be, it's got to be Lucha Bros or Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. It's got to be one of those two teams. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Ultimate Elite, yes, I know. The cage the cage is not going to stop them from interfering. I, I, I know. We, we see this in WWE all the time, right? Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell, which is a, which is a gimmick that was created with a top on the cage to keep every single person out and keep the people in the cell in, never works. We always see interference, or we always see people getting out of the cage. So I know. Assuming that a cage is going to keep people out is ridiculous. I'm just saying, in terms of them booking a cage match, logically, they would book a cage match to keep people from interfering. That doesn't mean that they will... It will work. I'm just saying, logically, that is the stipulation that you would go for. Now, if they do a cage match on this pay-per-view... And all of this interference bullshit continues for months to come, then we're going to talk about that here on these streams because it is to the point now where it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I know their heels and all that, but at some point, enough is enough. So we'll, we'll see what they do it all out. Britt Baker was in the back with Rebel being interviewed by Tony Schiavone, and she brought out her new heater. Hater. Hater is her new heater. Her muscle, her backup, Jamie Hayter, who we saw last week, first time that she was back on AEW television in almost two years. The last time we saw Jamie Hayter, as compared to now, she looks like a totally different person. 
You look at pictures of her from back in November of 2019 as compared to now, you wouldn't even think it was the same woman. She looks good. And she now is the bodyguard, whatever word you want to use for Britt Baker. She challenged Red Velvet to a match on Dynamite in Milwaukee next week. So that was the whole purpose of the segment, to establish her as Britt Baker's heavy and to make the match for next week's show. Tony Schiavone, boy, this guy, let me tell you something. I say it every week. This week might have been the biggest example of this, that Tony Schiavone, he's like the fucking workhorse in this company on these shows. They got this guy, he's doing commentary for the first few matches, and then he disappears, he's in the back, he's in the ring, he's in the back, he's in the ring, he's back in the booth. I mean, this guy doesn't even have to do cardio at the gym. I mean, the way he's running back and forth every week. So Shivani is in the ring. He brings out his uh, AEW Elevation announce partner, Paul White. And this is, of course, the follow-up to what we saw last week, where Paul White came out and he helped save Tony Shivani's son from an attack by QT Marshall and his henchmen. And he chokeslammed Aaron Solo. So here comes the big show. And if his theme song, I don't know how how many of you noticed it, if you were paying attention to his theme music. But if his theme music sounds familiar in any way, there's a reason for that. Because the person who sang his theme music in WWE, they brought him in. Mikey Ruckus is the one who usually does the music in AEW. But for this one, they brought in... And I wish I had written the guy's name down. I think it's Joe or Joey something. The person who sang Big Show's theme song in WWE, well, they brought him in. And he's the one who now sings his... That's why it almost sounds... It sounds not identical, but it sounds very similar. I didn't really pick up on it last week, but I noticed it tonight. I had to look it up and see who sang his music, and sure enough, it's the same guy. Well... It's the big slow, and down to the ring he comes. He's all smiles. He's just happy to be there. He's the jolly giant. He was about to make a very exciting announcement. It was an announcement he said that it just excited him. When all of a sudden he was interrupted by QT, Aaron Solo, and Caveman Camarado. QT said, you know, there's a reason why Tony Khan brought you in as an announcer and not as a, an in-ring competitor. And he threw it to the Jumbotron, and on the screen they showed an image, which I did not need to see. I'm I'm trying to debate which uh, image I wish I could bleach from my eyes more today. The image of uh, nearly his bare ass on television because he was showing the scar that Big Show got from his uh, various hip surgeries. He's had like five surgeries in the last three years, which is true long like 14 inch scar but he had like his his pants pulled down so you could basically see his ass i don't know if that scarred me more or the picture of what was thought to be rick flair doing do, doing uh doing the deal with uh his uh his his female companion there on some train which of course turned out not to be flair but boy you look at the hair in that image and it looked like i mean it looked like the crypt keeper from tales of the crypt it looked like rick or tales from the crypt it looked like rick flair Flair had to go online and address it and say, it's not me, I would never ride the train, which is probably true. And I saw Charlotte, I think, put some kind of facepalm emoji, I think, on her social media. I don't know which image I wish I could bleach from my eyes more, probably the Flair one, or whoever the fuck that was. 
So he puts that picture up on the screen and Paul White says, is that supposed to embarrass me? Like showing the picture of my scar on my hip, is that supposed to make me ashamed or whatever? And he's getting all fired up. And anyway, he says the announcement I was going to get to that I'm really excited about is the fact that Tony Khan has granted me a match and it all out in Chicago. And I'm, I'm watching this thinking, oh no, because I knew what was coming. I mean, just based on last week, we knew what was coming. Says it all out in Chicago. It's going to be me, and it's going to be you. So it is official. The Big Show is coming back to the ring, and he is going to face QT Marshall at All Out on September 5th. Big Show back in the ring against QT Marshall is not a match that on any planet I can bring myself to get excited over. QT Marshall against anybody I can't bring myself to get excited over, let alone you put him in the ring with The Big Show. The best thing I could say about this, if it's going to happen, and we knew that he was going to wrestle at some point. He, he said as much in his contract. It's not just an announcing contract. He's going to wrestle, so we knew it. It's like Goldberg getting his two matches per year. Or his matches in Saudi Arabia. Like, we know it's coming, right? So, it's all a matter of who do they put him in the ring with? We know what route WWE chose. We know what match we're getting this Saturday. In terms of Paul White, they're putting him in the ring with QT Marshall, who is somebody that I don't give a shit about. So if he is going to wrestle, I would rather it be in a match against QT Marshall. If, he, if they're going to give him a win, which I assume they will. I mean, maybe not. Maybe he'll put QT over. I don't see what the point of that would be. You want him to beat QT? Go ahead. It's an easy win for him. So that doesn't bother me so much. I'd rather it be that than him going in the ring with one of the young up-and-coming, you know, AEW stars. But am I excited to see the big show coming back to the ring? Am I excited to see him against QT Marshall? No. No. And if I have to empty my bladder, at least now I know which match I'll do it during. But Paul White is very excited. He's very excited. Can't wait to get back in the ring. Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling. We had a quick vignette from the two of them. Sterling was very impressed with Kira Hogan, who has appeared on AEW Dark recently. Jade Cargill is going to be wrestling her this Friday on Rampage. Jade said it was fun watching what Miro did to Fuego Del Sol last week. I will do the same to Kira Hogan on Friday night. In the ring, and this this right here, I think, was the worst thing on the whole show. Taz was in the ring with his son. Taz was in the ring with Hook. I like Hook. He doesn't say anything. He's a man of few words. He just stands there. He chews gum. He mean mugs for the camera. That's it. That's all he does. I have no idea if he can even speak. Maybe he can't speak. Maybe he went to prison many years ago. He got in a fight. He had his voice box ripped out, and he can't talk. That would be a great backstory. Maybe he's going he's to have to use one of those voice boxes that Kane used for, for a while. There in the ring, and Taz introduces Ricky Starks. And out comes Ricky Starks with the FTW Championship. He walks out, and he calls out Brian Cage. He wants Brian Cage to come out so they could have a talk. 
And then all of a sudden, the camera cuts backstage where we see Will Hobbs is back. Now, his mother passed away recently, so this is his first appearance on TV since that. But we see Will Hobbs in the back standing over a fallen Brian Cage. Brian Cage, though, makes his own comeback. When Hobbs picks him up, Brian Cage makes a comeback. Now they're slugging it out back and forth. And when Ricky Stark sees this, he freaks out. He says, cut cut the footage, cut the footage. We got to go. And he runs to the back. And that was it. And not only was that it, there was this quick, just awkward cut right to Tony Schiavone. I'm not convinced, by the way, that they have Tony Schiavone running around doing all these segments. I mean, all the cuts to the different, he's in this place, he's in that place. I think there might be more than one. I think this guy may have been cloned. But this is an example of what I've talked about before. It's, it's my biggest critique. If I have one big critique about Dynamite every week, these two hours, they move too quickly from one segment to the next. They don't give it a chance to breathe. They don't give you a chance to really digest what you just saw. Tonight was a great example of it. The way they cut from this to the next segment, they it's like they're trying to squeeze too much in. They realize, oh, we have to fit 17 different things on this show. And we're going to get all 17 in no matter what, no matter what, it, no matter what it takes. And I don't, I don't really like that. I don't think that's a smart strategy. I don't think everything needs to be on the show every week. I think you need to just cut a few things. Now with Rampage, I'm hoping that maybe that'll help ease up on things a little bit, even though Rampage is only an hour. But now they have an extra hour of television. Move some of that stuff over to the Friday show. Not everything has to play out on the Wednesday show. It's just like... One thing ends, and it's like, boom, on to the next. And then that ends, boom, on to the next. It's just this never-ending train. It's like a train that just runs and doesn't make any stops. At some point, you got to stop. Somebody's got to get off the train. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's my biggest critique of the way they format these shows. I mean, I like the energy and, and having a quick pace. I don't want the show to move at a glacial pace. I mean, I get enough of that on Mondays because the show is longer, so they have more time to fill. But there's got to be a happy balance here. You don't want to go too slow, but you don't want to go too f- It's like having sex. You don't want to go too slow, but you don't want to go too fast. you got to find that happy medium, like Ric Flair did on that train earlier. Or, or whoever that was. Like the Crypt Keeper. Tony Schiavone was, uh, of course, was again in the back with Death Triangle, Pac, uh, Penta, and Ray Phoenix. 
And Pac is ready for his match with Andrade at All Out. So am I. I'm very much... Li- I'm looking forward to that a lot more than I am QT Marshall and the Big Show. I'll tell you that much. All of a sudden, Andrade shows up with Chavo. Andrade has his nameless assistant present Pac with a list of demands for their match, which is very thick. Chavo told Penta and Phoenix again, as he, they've been saying, that they'll never win the tag team titles with a boss like Pac. We had Thunder Rosa, one-on-one against Penelope Ford. Thunder Rosa got a great reaction. She also has called the state of Texas her home, so she got a nice reaction from the crowd. You know, I had a couple of people who were amazed when I talked in that members-only Q&A that I referenced earlier. One of the questions I got was about Thunder Rosa in WWE. Uh, I think it was like, why did they pass on her? Did they not have any interest in her? Or why didn't she go there? And some people were amazed when I mentioned the fact that they wanted her as a referee, not as an in-ring talent. Which, obviously, she wanted to wrestle, so she politely declined, and that's why Thunder Rosa did not go to WWE, although there was interest. They had interest in her as a referee. So if she had gone over there, Thunder Rosa would not be having these matches that we've seen her having on Dynamite, in the NWA, on the independent scene. She would be a nameless referee, probably down in NXT. Doesn't speak very well to what kind of talent they're looking for down there. Thankfully, she's not refereeing, she's wrestling, and she wrestled Penelope Ford here on this show. Rosa hit a shotgun drop kick, attacked Penelope in the corner, and a drop kicked her to the floor. Ford pushed her into the ring post, hit a cutter on the floor, they went to commercial. Came back, Rosa hit a corner clothesline, double knees, followed by a running drop kick. Butterfly suplex from Rosa got a near fall. She went for the fire thunder driver, but Penelope countered and went for... The Muda Lock. And uh, Penelope turned it into a pinning uh, predicament, as they would say. Rosa kicked out, locked on a single leg crab. Penelope got to the ropes. So Rosa spun her around, hit a de- or spun around, and hit a Death Valley driver for a near fall. Penelope got the Muda Lock on again, but Rosa fought out. She locked on a modified sleeper. I think she had the, the leg grapevined over the body. I mean, she looked like she had this thing sunk in deep. And Penelope Ford had no place to go before she passed out, so she tapped out. And Thunder Rosa got the win. Uh, It was brief. I thought it was okay for what it was. You know, it was a spotlight win for Thunder Rosa. Somebody earlier asked me, what's the uh, the status of uh, Kip Sabian? Is he around anymore? Is he still hurt? He is recovering. He had surgery. Might have been arm or shoulder, but he's going to be out for a little while longer. Tony Schiavone was backstage with Arn Anderson and uh, his son, Arn Jr. <laughs> Just the dead ringer for his father. Uh, his son, Brock, was backstage with him. And Brock is going to be wrestling Malachi Black on Dynamite next week. So rest in peace, Brock Anderson. We had a Miro vignette. He said that if they don't come for me, I will come for them all. And no, that was not meant to be sexual. At least I don't think it was. But this was meant to be a challenge. He called out Eddie Kingston. He name-dropped Eddie Kingston and said, the Redeemer wants to talk. So Eddie Kingston, perhaps, is going to be challenging for the TNT title at All Out. 
that was the first sign yet of, of who the next contender might be. I'm just assuming that if they do that match, it would be at the pay-per-view. We got a backstage promo with John Moxley, who has been thinking about everybody who's been coming in to AEW of late. And he runs down all the top stars, mentions the elite, he mentions Hangman Page and Christian Cage, and he said, you know, I'm the guy who's carried the company through uncertain times, and it's about that time to send a message to everybody else in the company. He's going to be main eventing Rampage this Friday against Daniel Garcia. But Garcia should ask the question if this is what he really wants, because this ain't no joke. I thought this was very interesting that they mentioned that this would be, or he mentioned, that this would be the main event for the big United Center show coming up on Friday. Obviously, they think very highly of Daniel Garcia. He's been featured pretty prominently in these last few weeks uh, since we started seeing him on TV. I think they look at him. I think they look at someone like Wheeler Yuta uh, as real up-and-comers that they can start building now who could be big stars in this company down the road. They even had a vignette on this show talking about Dante Martin, who had this breakout performance on TV last week. You know, unfortunately, his brother is out hurt, but he is taking advantage of that, and he's getting himself over. Something else I like about AEW, there is a focus, a clear focus on a lot of these young names. And a lot of these young names, we don't really know too much about them. People might look at them and go, oh, they're small, or oh, I don't, who are they? They look like jobbers. But they're making a concerted effort here to bring these guys in and start building credibility for them on television. And that's one of the things I like about AEW and what they've been doing lately in terms of bringing these these guys in. So that way, it's not just Chris Jericho's and Christian's and Big Show's and Sting and CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. You're going to need people like Darby Allen and Hangman Page and Sammy Guevara and MJF and Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Utah and Orange Cassidy, even if you don't like him. So you can have on this side all of the established names and the legends and the ex-WWE people, but you got to make sure you balance that out with young guys, homegrown guys that are not established that you build. And that's what they're doing. They're starting to build. They have the building blocks there, which is what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to build a core of guys like that, that three years down the road, five years down the road, that's who you want your company to be built around. Because these other guys, they're not going to be around forever. You think Jericho's going to be hanging around another five years and it's it's not going to get old? <laughs> I mean, Jericho's looking a little he's looking a little haggard himself these days. Although he's you know he's been putting the work in lately, but you know Jer- Jericho looks like he can use a break. After the outcome of this main event tonight, he might be going on one right now. But to go back to the uh, the interesting part about them announcing that Moxley would be headlining with Garcia on Friday. You know, Garcia on this show tonight, he and 2.0 had issues with Darby Allen, right? Darby Allen and Sting. So I'm thinking that 2.0 gets involved in that main event on Friday. They play the numbers game. Moxley, I don't know if Eddie Kingston tries to help or, or not, but the numbers are too great for Moxley. Darby comes out maybe to try to help as well. Maybe maybe he gets overwhelmed. But maybe that is where CM Punk shows up. Maybe they're saving his appearance for the end of this main event. 
You know, and if Darby comes out to kind of even the odds after the issues that he's had of late with uh, Garcia, that could be where you do something with uh, Punk and Darby, some kind of stare down or something. Interesting that they would choose that as the main event. Speaking of main events, tonight was the fifth and final labor of Jericho, Chris Jericho one-on-one against MJF. And the stipulation is that if Jericho uses the Judas effect, he will be disqualified. Cannot use his finishing maneuver. He also cannot use his Judas music. So Jericho comes out like Bob Backlund back in the mid-90s. No theme music. And the crowd, and they've been they've been dropping hints that they want the crowd. Like, all week long, like on social media and stuff, they, they clearly they've been telling, all but telling the crowd, we want you people to sing this song. People who are in the building in Houston on Wednesday, you go ahead, you could sing the music. And that's what they did. And I have to say, the crowd sang the song, they sang Judas, and they were remarkably in sync. Usually on these wrestling shows, even when the music is playing, when you have wrestling fans who are trying to sing, they, they're terrible. <laughs> they're out of tune, they're out of sync. It just sounds horrible. Here with no music, I actually thought they did a pretty good job, at least in terms of being in sync, being on the same page. So I will give this crowd in Houston credit for that. So they got what they wanted. It was it was a nice visual, having you know Jericho kind of stand there and admire the fact that the people were singing his song without any actual music playing in the background. So again, Jericho, right out of the gate, hits his springboard drop kick in the corner, followed by a plancha out over the top rope onto MJF on the floor. So he's starting out hot. MJF sends Jericho into the barricade, and he grabs the ringside camera, which is something that we've seen Jericho do before. We've seen The Rock do it before. But we've seen Jericho do it in New Japan as well. And MJF grabs the camera, and he's scanning the front row, and he's flipping off the fans. And of course, he pivots. He pans over to Jericho who is standing right in front of him, and Jericho punches the camera lens. He punches the camera right back into MJF's face. MJF, back in the ring, after he recovers, starts working over Jericho's injured arm, heading into the final commercial break of the show. Come back, Jericho hits the lion salt for a two count, and then he hits ten clotheslines in the corner. He perches... MJF up on the top turnbuckle. He climbs up himself. Jericho hits another 10 punches while standing on the top rope. And he hits a Rana. He takes MJF all the way down for an ear fall. So Jericho goes for the cover, though, with this attempted near fall. When he goes for the cover, MJF transitions into the salt of the earth. His arm bar, his arm breaker, Tries to get the tap out from Jericho. Jericho manages to get out of it. He gets MJF in the walls of Jericho. MJF, though, punches his way out of it. So now they're in the middle of the ring. And they're trading shots back and forth. Jericho comes charging in. MJF pulls the top rope down. Jericho lands on the apron. MJF connects with the Heat Seeker. He spikes him headfirst down into the mat. Goes for the cover, but Jericho kicks out. So now Jericho gets a sleeper hold. On MJF. And MJF grabs Aubrey Edwards for the distraction at the same time that he lifts his leg behind him and low blows Jericho. And of course, Aubrey didn't see it. So he low blows this guy and then he puts Jericho in Jericho's own Boston Crab, puts him in his own move. But eventually, Jericho crawls to the bottom rope, gets the rope break. So now we're at the finish. 
Jericho crawls to the corner, and he's reaching under the ring skirt, and he grabs Floyd, his baseball bat. Meanwhile, in the opposite corner, at the same moment that Jericho is reaching for his baseball bat, MJF has the same idea, only he's reaching for his dynamite diamond ring, and he's putting the ring on his finger. Aubrey Edwards catches him with the ring. She grabs it. She goes to put the ring outside. Jericho, the babyface, hits MJF in the chest with the baseball bat. He bats him right in the chest. And then he goes for the Judas effect. But he stops himself. And he realizes, oh no, I can't hit this move. Just bear with me. So, he stops himself. And MJF instead catches him with the Judas effect. And then he locks on the salt of the earth. Jericho is fighting it. He's fighting. He's struggling to get out of this move. He can't do it. And Chris Jericho taps out. It's too painful. He taps out right at the moment that Jim Ross on commentary was saying that I've never seen Jericho submit before. And Jericho submits. You Actually, you couldn't have timed that any better. And Jericho has submitted. Maybe not in AEW. I can't remember. Has Jericho submitted? Has he lost a match by submission? In AEW, maybe not in AEW, but he's definitely submitted before. But MJF wins clean. He tried to play dirty in this match. I mean, he did hit a low blow, but he tried to use the ring, and Aubrey took it away from him. So he tried, but he ended up winning clean. Jericho was the one who played dirty. He's the one who hit the guy with the baseball bat, and he lost. So this was as close to a clean win as you could possibly ask for for MJF. But I I thought the finish was stupid. And and this is what I talked about at the beginning of the stream. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I thought this was really dumb. And here's what I thought was really dumb. Maybe you guys in the chat chime in and tell me if I'm, I'm wrong on this. I thought it was stupid because if Chris Jericho would reach for the baseball bat and behind the referee's back, he would hit MJF with the ball bat. He hit this man with a baseball bat. But he stops himself when he goes to use his wrestling move. He goes to use the Judas effect. And he he doesn't do it. Why? Because he's a baby face. He's a baby face with integrity. He hit the guy with a fucking baseball bat. You could say, well, yeah, he's worried that after the fact, MJF would have said, no, he's disqualified because I said he couldn't use the move. But the referee's back was turned. The referee's decision is final. So the only thing, the only conclusion you could draw here is that Jericho is the babyface 
and he wanted to just own up to the stipulation and not break the rules, but he hit the guy with a fucking bat. If you hit the guy with a baseball bat, your integrity goes out the window. That was very dumb. That that made no sense at all. And people are going to try to make sense of it, but I'm telling you right now, it doesn't make any sense. So I thought that was very dumb. That being said, it was the right outcome. MJF, when this feud was over, I said MJF should get the win. He got the win at Blood and Guts. He should get the win at All Out. Only they didn't do the match at All Out. They did the match on this show, and I don't know what's going on here because I thought that there would be a non-finish or some kind of controversial finish, and it would set up a rematch for the pay-per-view. It's still possible that Jericho could say, I want you one more time, and this time I'll put my career on the line if I can't beat you. And maybe that's the send-off for Jericho. That's the only thing I could come up with. If they're going to do another match, Jericho has to put his career on, or something like that, something extreme, that then takes him off television for a while. But this didn't feel to me like they were setting up for another match. He beat him fair. There's no need for one. The person who should have won this feud won. So based on what we saw tonight, as far as I'm concerned, that's it. It's over. Now, is the Darby stuff and the teases with Best in the World and Punk, now I'm starting to wonder, is that a red herring? Is that a distraction? And they're not going to do Punk and Darby at all out. Maybe they're going to do Punk and MJF. MJF, one of the top heels in the company now, has no obvious opponent for the pay-per-view. You know, if Punk shows up on Friday, they have a few weeks to promote it. Maybe this is all just a red herring. I I still think that whatever they're doing, it's going to be with Punk and Darby. But I just put that out there as an idea, that maybe it's all just the distraction and the match at All Out is actually Punk and MJF. See, I wouldn't do that, though, because I feel like Punk and MJF, that's a program that can be drawn out. Punk and Darby is one of those attraction matches, two baby faces, one-on-one you can do that all out on a couple of weeks promote, you know, promotion. Punk and MJF will absolutely be a match, but to me it would be it would be too soon I think to jump into that. And Punk would have to win. So, I don't like that idea. But this Friday is Rampage from the United Center. They're running an NBA building in Chicago. They have over 14,000 tickets out for this show so far. New sections have just been opened up. I think they mentioned that tonight on commentary. I don't think they're going to be too far above 14,000, but that's a hell of a number. This will be the biggest crowd until next month at Arthur Ashe. This will be the biggest crowd in AEW history. And that's why, you know, in the thumbnail for this review, I said this is the beginning of the biggest week in AEW history. I'm not just saying that because CM Punk is probably going to debut. They're about to run their biggest, when I say biggest, I mean like literally their biggest show yet in the short existence of this company. They put 14,000 people in this building. The majority of those tickets went in the first 30 minutes they went on sale. That is an impressive feat. So this show on Friday is a very big, punk, punk or no punk, this show on Friday for them is a test and it is a very big deal. And the lineup for Friday right now, we're going to get Jurassic Express against Private Party, Tag Team Eliminator match, Jade Cargill one-on-one with Kira Hogan, and John Moxley in the main event one-on-one against Daniel Garcia. You talk about a hell of a spot for a newcomer and a young kid like Daniel Garcia to be in. In the main event at the United Center, in what may end up being the highest rated 
AEW show that they've done. I, I'm very, very curious. This show, as much as anything, is, a, is an experiment. It's an experiment in the age of social media because I was waiting to see if they were going to promote the fact that Punk was going to be on this show. I was hoping they wouldn't. I would rather they just don't say anything, and they didn't. But there was always the possibility that tonight maybe they'll run an ad and they'll have like Punk's logo on or something, right? They didn't give us anything. They talked about the first dance. They talked about how it's going to be a big night. There were no explicit teases or mentions of CM Punk at all on the show tonight. It's the biggest non-surprise surprise that there could possibly be, right? It's not a surprise that he's going to be there, but it's a surprise in that they haven't announced anything. They haven't said his name even one time. How this show does on Friday based on online hype. I'm very, I'm genuinely curious to see how this show does. On a Friday night at 10 o'clock, I don't know what competition there normally would be other than the evening news at 10 p.m. on a Friday, but without actually announcing that Punk would be there, they're assuming that the majority of their fans know that he's going to be there and they're going to tune in. And other wrestling fans are going to hear, oh, CM Punk might be there. If they can do... I don't know, 1.2 or 1.3 million people based on hype, online hype. Credit to them. Because we really haven't seen anything like this in wrestling. That's why I say it's an experiment. We're going to find out. We're going to find out if it was a wise decision not to announce that CM Punk was going to be on this show. Of course, if CM Punk is on this show. Can you imagine if CM Punk is not on this show? I think the people in Chicago might burn that building to the ground. I I think they might. I think they might. I mean, we see NBA teams, when they win the championship, their fan base, and I'm looking at you, LA, I'm seeing you know, basketball teams or football teams, when, they're, when their team wins, they're out there setting fire to cars and turning cars over. Can you imagine if CM Punk does not show up, what wrestling fans might do, the garbage they might throw in the ring? Everybody was bitching a few weeks ago about the GCW show, people throwing trash at Matt Cardona and stuff. That that's that's nothing compared to what I think these people might do if Punk does not show up on Friday in Chicago. Now, next Wednesday on Dynamite, they're going to be in Milwaukee, Varsity Blondes against the Lucha Bros tag team eliminator match, Jamie Hayter against Red Velvet, Orange Cassidy against Matt Hardy, and Malachi Black against Brock. Anderson. <laughs> Tamara says, Punk not showing up would be jokes. Not for the people who paid to go to that show, it wouldn't be. I tell you that, if I paid for if I paid to go to that show on Friday, I would not be happy. We have two polls going, by the way. You can vote in. We have one uh, here in the chat where it's uh, a 90-10 split. 90% of you thought this was a thumbs-up show. 10% thought that it was a thumbs-down. But let's see how that compares to uh, the Twitter machine. Uh, pretty comparable. 88.4% thumbs-up. And we've got 11.6% thumbs-down with about 1,100 votes in. So you can always vote in these polls at Solomonster. That is where you want to be. I'm telling you right now, that is where you want to be this week because there's a lot going on this week. So follow me on there. I will be uh, live tweeting for probably all of these shows. 
all of these AEW and WWE and NXT events that are coming up. It's going to be a busy, busy week. Twitter is the place to be. And, of course, also on uh, Instagram, The Solomonster. Solomonster on Twitter, The Solomonster on Instagram. I'm starting to post more on there, trying to build my uh, my following on there. I've neglected it for far too long. So if you're an Instagram person, you can uh, get me on there. I'm not one of these Instagram influencers. Maybe one day, right? I'll be I'll be modeling uh, clothing on there and stuff and doing all the stuff that all the fashionistas do on their Instagrams. And I'll have all these clothing companies paying me $10,000 to put on a fucking tight t-shirt to model on there. One day. That's my goal. I'll be a swallow monster and I'll be you know, I'll be I'll be showing off my fine physique and all of these clothing brought to you by Abercrombie and Fitch. And uh, Oshkosh Baga, I don't fucking know. Oshkosh Bagash, is that still a thing? Do they still exist? I'm not even sure. A sol- oh, Paul Heyman wants to know, a Solomonster OnlyFans. Well, you know, if there is a demand, I, I am one to uh, give the people what they want. So I rule nothing out. If you guys want it, I, I might just have to do it. Solomonster cameo or something? We'll, we'll, we'll see about the OnlyFans. I won't, I won't make any promises. Let me get your uh, super chats open here. <laughs> this is going this is going down this is going down a bad road here. I'm gonna spare you all. Let's uh, switch over and start reading your super chats. I want to know what you guys thought of the show tonight. What do you think about Rampage coming up on Friday? Will we see CM Punk? Are you looking forward to seeing CM Punk? Do you not care about CM Punk? I want to hear from you. Let me know. Drop a super chat. Because we got a whole bunch of them here. You can ask questions about anything you want. And I will do my best to answer them here. You scroll back, make sure I don't miss anybody. We did start with uh, J.N. Sermons, who was asking me, since the Mets suck, no lies detected there, why not just be a Yankee fan? Because that's no fun. The Yankees are boring. The Yankees are boring. The Mets are far more interesting, you got to admit. Good, bad, or indifferent. The Mets are far more interesting to follow. But you know the Mets are bad when the owner of the team goes on Twitter, as Steve Cohen did this morning, and basically is bashing his team. He's basically talking about how is it, what was the tweet, how is it possible for a team to be this unproductive or or for the hitting to be this unproductive or something? I actually like that. I like the fact that this guy goes on social media and shares his thoughts because he's a legitimate fan. He's speaking his mind. Good. Good. They need a fire lit under their ass. Sometimes they need a good kick in the pants to get them going. I say good. I wish more team owners would be that way. If Vince McMahon thinks that half his roster is such that he can't make money with them and they're too small and they and, and this and that, I wish he would go on Twitter and say it. Instead of us having to piece together stories over the years about what Vince McMahon thinks of this guy and what Vince McMahon thinks of that guy, I wish he had the fucking grapefruits to go on Twitter and say, God damn it. And just speak his mind. 
but he doesn't have the balls to do it because he's got his billions of dollars and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to hurt people's feelings fuck their feelings it's sam 94 can't catch the stream but my god sting looked amazing wish i can move like that at his age Nayef Alsafar with the $10 Super Chat drop. Thank you, Nayef. I hope Nayef is going to be joining us for all of the streams this week. I put the uh, the schedule up on screen earlier to... Actually, I should have... Um, I should have imported the, uh, the image. Maybe I will here in a second. I put a, a whole schedule together of what's coming up on the agenda for this week. It's up on my Twitter and my Instagram. Shiesty B with the five bucks back like I never left. I'm convinced Jim Ross is commentating this show drunk. <laughs> well, maybe he was maybe he was having one too many of these solid monster screwdrivers tonight. I don't know. He didn't he actually sounded okay to me tonight. I didn't hear anything egregiously bad come out of his mouth. Actually, uh Jim Ross is a big Moscow mule guy. I've never had a Moscow mule, but I know he's very fond of them. Every time he's at the hotel bar or the airport, he's always got one of those Moscow mules in his hand. Chris Manson with the two bucks. Ric Flair's new finisher, the figure eight. See, that's a that's a Paul Heyman-esque chat. Super chat right there. Speaking of Sting, there he is, lounging out tonight. This is what Sting does when he's not in training. When he's got his off months, he's eating Cheetos, sitting in the recliner, sitting in the lazy boy watching TV. Damian Cole. With the 10 bucks. Showed a friend AEW for the first time tonight. What a great show to start with. Great wrestling and storyline movement. I am happy this was their first show. But you better tell them to watch on Friday if they want to hear a crowd come alive. That's going to be the show to watch. Will Rob. Okay, enough is enough. The elite constantly being at ringside is getting ridiculous. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I agree, but that is why we are now getting a cage match at All Out. So it it makes sense. Ryan Spies, Minoru Suzuki will be in the U.S. next month for some New Japan Strong tapings and will not be in the G1. So there is Mox's All Out opponent. I'm down for that. Moxley and Suzuki, I enjoyed their first match. They want to do it again. I'd be total. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, it's not going to be Tanahashi. I was kind of hoping it would be, but uh, with the G1, if he's going to be in the G1, timeline-wise, you know, with the way things are in Japan, you go back, you got to quarantine for a certain amount of time. It just wasn't going to work out. I'll take Suzuki though. I'll take Suzuki against anybody. 
Brother. Ryan Spies, thank you. Uh, Lord Frieza, I am currently sitting inside the Fertitta Center. Phenomenal show. I was flicked off by Hook and Taz. And man, Thunder Rosa is over like Rover. So Lord Frieza was at the show tonight. Having a great time. The Cheeseburger, 666 with the $5 super chat. I am sick and tired of all the QT Marshall hate here in the chat. The guy is a star. QT Marshall is better than all of you. One thing that QT did that I liked, I saw it was from Sammy Guevara's vlog. He lined up a bunch of uh, wrestlers on stage at one of the tapings. And they were basically poking fun at the new WWE policy of only wanting guys who are a certain size. I, I thought that was entertaining. But I don't need to see him on TV wrestling. Devin Garcia, friendly reminder that Iron Sheik will finally be getting to the ring at WrestleMania 38 next year, according to the late great Bobby the Brain Enan. That is right. The Iron Sheik is on his way to the ring at WrestleMania 38. Which is uh, next year. That's right. WrestleMania 38 is next year in Dallas. That's a big place, too. <laughs> he's got a long way. I hope, I hope he's already walking that aisle because uh, Dallas is a big building. They had 100,000 people in there last time. So it might take the Sheik a lot. Yeah, I would say get one of those old WrestleMania carts. Take him down to the ring. Remember the old WrestleMania carts from WrestleMania 3? WrestleMania 6? Dried chicken without flavor. That crowd in Houston was very white hot tonight. Congratulations to Sammy Guevara and his now fiance, Pam, on their engagement. It's another uh, Seinfeld thing. Your uh, fiance. Where is my fiance? I've lost my fiance. Where is my fiance? She's on the train. With Ric Flair. Jacob Donnelly. With MJF winning... Oh, thank you for the 20 bucks, man. Thank you. With MJF winning tonight, what if this is a catalyst for an MJF and CM Punk feud? Say Darby Allin cuts a promo demanding the best in the world comes out. Out comes MJF for mega heel heat, brags about beating Jericho, and then out comes CM Punk. Very possible. I, I, I said just a moment ago... I still think it'll be Darby and Punk, but I'm I'm just thinking maybe it's all just a red herring to throw us off. But you're right. I, I like your idea, though, where Darby, he keeps talking about best in the world, and MJF, after beating Jericho on Wednesday, comes out on Friday and says, you're looking at him. And then here's CM Punk. You know what? I think that's where they may be going with this. You may be onto something there. See, I knew I liked Jacob. I knew I liked you for some reason. Jacob's a smart guy. Quintus Brown. $5 super chat. QT against Paul White at All Out. Thank you, TK. We all need at least one bathroom break for the show. That's what I said. You gotta get your snacks. You gotta empty. You gotta you gotta drain the lizard. You gotta do all kinds of things. And you need a match for it, and there you go. Of course, I have to review this pay-per-view, so I can't exactly... I can't really do that, but you can certainly take a uh, piss break if you want. Anti-M Bishop could have been at Dynamite tonight yet at home due to contracting COVID. Ooh, that's not good. 
It was a much-needed pick-me-up tonight along with Solomonster. All the best. Well, brother, I hope you get well soon. I hope you are feeling better very, very soon. Even uh, some of the milder cases is uh, not fun from what I hear. Even losing the taste and the smell and all that, you know, sometimes it goes on for months. That's got to suck. Rodimus Prime with the $15. Caught the last few minutes. Good show. Can't wait for Friday. This weekend with SummerSlam and TakeOver is going to be great. Shaquan Hickman with the 999 Russo on a pole, bro. Super Chats. Who will win the AEW world title sooner? CM Punk or Brian Danielson? I say Punk. I have to agree. I think if either of them are going to win the championship, it'll probably be Punk first. Uh, Francisco Martinez, thank you for the super chat. Ace of Masta, that was such a hot crowd. Is it Friday already? We are all waiting for Friday. I'm pumped up, man. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting. I I love a great wrestling return when you know the crowd is just going to come unglued. It just makes for a great moment. So Chicago is just the perfect place to do something like this, but having 14,000 people in the building, I mean, 14,000 would be, you know, normal stuff for WWE. But for AEW, again, it's a very big deal. And uh, they would not be putting 14,000 people in this building unless they had something up their sleeve that they thought the fans would be going home happy with. I don't think they want to piss off the people in the Chicago market, considering how many shows they're running in Chicago in the next few weeks. They're going to be back there for three shows at the beginning of September, leading up to Labor Day. I don't think they want to piss off their fan base. Uh, Flamethrower Fluff Salisbury. I honestly thought that Scorpio Sky was a referee when he came out. (laughs) Griga. Hey, Solomon, sir. I'm heading to New York in October for Comic-Con. Any recommendations for New York-style pizza? Thank you for your hard work. You know, I don't have a specific pizza recommendation. There are a couple of places in the city that are are kind of notorious for having great pizza. But really, I think if you go almost anywhere in New York, you're going to get great pizza. Uh, I miss pizza. I used to have pizza all the time. I haven't had a slice of pizza in about seven or eight years. But really, honestly, in New York City, anywhere you go, you're going to get great pizza. Maybe somebody in the chat, though, can mention a specific place. I I just don't eat pizza anymore, so... Because I can't, so I don't frequent the pizzerias anymore. Boots! Look at Boots joining us tonight with the three bucks. And Jared M. with the $30 Super Chat. Thank you, Jared. Jared, Jared, you got to tell me, are you looking forward to Friday? You didn't tell me if you're looking forward to Friday. I need to know. Paul Heyman. While it is nice that you think there is a little jealousy from Impact towards AEW, given that Impact has been going on for 20 years, it can't get anything going and needs some help from a new upstart company. I don't know what you were trying to say there. I think you were taking a dig at Impact. Impact, is, I always say that Impact is like uh, the hamster on the wheel. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, but he's not going anywhere. Impact can have a great roster, but they just never seem to grow. There's no growth. They're the hamster on the wheel. Javier Jack, or Jacques, 
A $2 Super Chat. Darby Allen promoting CM Punk is like NWO with Brett. Interesting analogy. King Solomon in the chat says, hit that like button. Indeed. We are only a few away. I said 300 was the goal for tonight. We're just a, a few shy of 300. So let's try to let's try to smash through 300 here before we end. Dry chicken without flavor says Jamie Harder. I mean hater. She made the right choice to sign with AEW. I still can't get over that super chat last week. Which one? We had a bunch of them last week. You're gonna have to narrow it down though. Uh, dry chicken without flavor. Dr. Britt Baker DMD against blank at All Out. Chris Statlander. Seems pretty obvious that's what they're building to, so I assume it's going to be Britt and Statlander at the pay-per-view. Walter Palacios with a 999 Super Chat drop. I asked Thunder Rosa question. I asked... Oh, I asked the Thunder Rosa question, and I forgot to say thanks in my tweet. Thank you, Solomon. So thank you, Walter. Thank you, Volta. Looking forward. You talk about things I'm looking forward to this weekend. I know everybody is talking about punk on Friday, and that's I'm looking forward to that a lot. But Walter and Ilya Dragunov for the UK Championship on Sunday night at Takeover that is going to blow away probably any of the other matches this weekend, or at least it has the potential to. I mean, there's a few matches on the SummerSlam card I'm looking forward to, but Walter and Dragunov, if you didn't see their first match, you're in for a treat this weekend. Alex Jimenez. Actually, uh, before we get to Alex, tried checking again. Why didn't Jericho use the code breaker on MJF? Because he's a moron. That's why. He's stupid. He's a dumb baby face. He got stricken by dumb baby face syndrome. Are we getting into a New York pizza versus uh, Chicago pizza debate here in the chat? Look what you've started now. Chicago pizza... Can't hold a candle to New York pizza. I'm just saying. Alex Jimenez, thanks for the company during my night shift. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad that you're joining us. Sean E. Dogs. Hooks. Hooks. Hook. Has spoken at least twice backstage over the last month or two. I know because I've been looking out for it. He said, I'm tired of it the one time. That is true. But he's a man of few words. He hasn't said very much, so it's easy to forget. He also says these AEW crowds are hot and blow WWE away. And they're smaller buildings, which works to their advantage. If they were in a bigger building, you know, when WWE runs a building that can fit 15,000 and half of it is tarped off, you know... That, that works against you. When you're running a building that only has a capacity of 5,000 and you've got 4,500 in there, it's going to be a little bit louder. I actually like the fact that they're running some of the smaller buildings, but now it's time to, you know, for like the big shows to, to get into the bigger buildings. That's why I said before the punk stuff even came up, you know, about a month and a half ago, I, I made the comment. I said, I think for All Out in the future going forward, they've outgrown the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates. They should be in the United Center for All Out once a year. Make that your big building for All Out. Little did I know that a few weeks later, they would book the United Center two weeks before All Out. <laughs> Who knew that they were going to run the Chicago market twice within two weeks, the way that they're running it with four shows. It's It's crazy. But when you have a a certain attraction that you think might be appealing, that's the sort of thing you do. 
You don't run Chicago in the United Center because you want to put Daniel fucking Garcia in the main event. All due respect to Daniel Garcia. As Tony Khan said on Busted Open last week, when they asked him about all the punk stuff or, or you know, the rampage is coming up the first dance, he made a comment to the effect of, I think everybody knows what to expect. Yes, I think everybody does know what to expect. Dry Chicken, instead of getting CM Punk in Chicago, we get Alberto Del Rio at the United Center. No, I don't think uh, Tony Khan is going to be doing business with Alberto Del Dipshit anytime soon. Mike Weeks, CM Punk coming his huge middle finger to WWE. I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. If WWE wanted Punk, they could have had Punk. I believe that if WWE wanted CM Punk back, then they would have made it happen. If that meant Vince McMahon paying him a visit at home, if that meant issuing an apology of some kind for, you know, terminating the guy on his fucking wedding day and all the other acrimonious stuff that happened between them, uh, paying him a shitload of money, whatever it was, I think they could have made it happen. When Punk was doing the WWE backstage stuff, you know, when he would get asked about it from time to time, he had softened a little bit from what his answer was years ago. And I thought, oh, okay, he's he's open to the idea now of coming back. By all accounts, WWE just didn't have enough interest in bringing him in. They didn't want to do business with him. So the guy can go work wherever he wants. I don't see how it's a huge middle finger to WWE. Daniel Bryan, you could say, maybe in a way, is kind of a, a middle finger to them, but... No, I mean, the way I look at it, if they wanted Punk, they, they could have had Punk. I believe that they could have had Punk if they want. They could have kissed his ass, and they could have had him if they really wanted him. And the interest obviously just wasn't there. Bread Heart. Depression has been kicking my butt lately. Thank you for always putting out content to keep us entertained. You deserve a nice vacation after this week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, Bret Hart, I appreciate your support each week. When I see you in the chat, it means a lot. And uh, hopefully the depression will not last uh, too much longer. I know, I know a few people who actually suffer from bouts of that. It comes and goes in their case. Sometimes it lasts longer than others. Every every case is different. Everybody deals with it in a different way. But I hope uh, I hope things get better. And, and look, I'm here every week, right? I'm going to be here each of the next four nights after this. So if nothing else, you know you got me here. Dry Chicken again. I would love to see Will Ospreay show up at AEW Grand Slam to start a feud with John Moxley, CM Punk, or Brian Danielson. 
It's funny you mentioned Will Ospreay. If you remember, before Ospreay got hurt and had to vacate the IWGP Championship, CM Punk was being asked questions about whether or not he might come back one day. And the one person he said that he would be most interested possibly in working with is Will Ospreay. And his answer was, let's see where things are at the end of the summer. And then Ospreay got hurt. And he vacated the title. But clearly, Punk had an interest in working with him. And supposedly, Brian Danielson desperately wants to work with Will Ospreay. So I think there is a very good chance that we at some point will see Will Ospreay in this you know, working relationship that the two companies seem to have at the moment. I think at some point we will definitely see him pop up on Dynamite. I don't think it'll be for a while, but he is stateside now. He's going to be doing stuff on New Japan Strong. He is in the United States. So maybe maybe it won't be as long as I think, but I, I do think at some point, whether it's later this year, sometime next year, I think Will Ospreay is going to be mixing it up with some of the people on this roster. Clag Daddy with the $7 Super Chat. Thank you, Clag Daddy. Skywalker, if AEW does get 1.5 million viewers this Friday, at what point does Vince McMahon start to worry about the competition? I think he's too full of himself at the moment. All these stories about just all the dumb shit coming out of the coming out of that company with with like behind the scenes decisions that are being made and what's going on with NXT and some of the main roster decisions I think he's just so full of his own shit I, I don't I don't think he cares I really just don't think he cares I, I think it's gonna take more than that though I think they'd have to hit two million for him to actually be you know for, for him to perk up and actually you know take some kind of real action whatever that looks like but that reminds me I, I, I do want to hear from you guys you could send in a super chat or you could just in the chat. You don't even have to super chat. Give me your predictions. Let's let's get some predictions going for what you think the rating is going to be. The live viewership for Rampage on TNT this Friday, which we probably will not know until Monday at some point. What do you think the number is going to be overall? Okay, not demo, but what do you think the overall audience is going to be for this show on Friday night? Give me your numbers. I'm going to say my prediction... I'm going to say it's it's tough on, on a Friday night. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go 1.3. I'm going to say 1.3 million. That's my prediction. I want to hear from you guys. I'm going to go with 1.3 and then we'll see. We'll see who was right and who was wrong next week. Uh, Lou Rivera with the five bucks. Chicago pizza is quiche. New York pizza is the home for pizza. I agree. Dry chicken. QT Marshall is like pineapple on pizza. That's a great analogy. I like that. So let's see some of these. Boy, these uh, predictions are coming in hot and heavy here. I see 850,000. I see 1.9 million. Thomas says 1.9 million. I think you're way off on that. 1.5 million, 1.9 million. You really think 1.9? I would be shocked if they did 1.9 million. I, I would be shocked. I, I would be shocked. I, I will pour a solid monster screwdriver over my head live on the stream if they get 1.9 million. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean they can't uh, they can't do well. 
Paul Heyman. If Adam Cole leaves WWE, can you see WWE being petty and keeping the trademark for his name like they did with Kurt Stallion? Austin Jenkins, Bay Bay. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. And that would be too bad because by all accounts, he has been handling the situation with class. He has worked with them as far as extending his deal to finish out his program with Kyle O'Reilly. And by all accounts, he's just a stand-up guy. Uh, but I put nothing past them. You know, when, you, when you're dealing with these big companies, they care about one thing. They care about the company. And that's their only concern. They don't care about Adam Cole or his, uh, his trademark. They don't care. So do I put any pettiness past them? No, I don't. I really don't. Oz and Glorious. Sadly, Frank Fritz has left American Pickers. Do you think he's the heel or the face in this saga? P.S. More people need to hop into the members' Discord. Yeah, you know, I think some people are just not aware of it. If you are a channel member, we have a Solemn Monster Sounds of Discord. It is still relatively new, so it's still very quiet in there, but... Right now, it's for members only. It is a members only feature. Uh, but I have to individually send links to to you for you to get in. And then once you're in, you can't post or comment until I assign a, a role, which is the role of YouTube member, and then you can start chatting. So if you are a new channel member, and we picked up, I think, a couple tonight so far, uh, and we picked up a bunch over the last 10 days or so, if you're not in the Discord and you want to get in, drop me a, a tweet an email, a comment under this video, let me know and I will get you a link and we'll get you in. We'll get you into the Discord. You can join Mi Familia in the official Discord. Jacob Barnes, thank you for the five bucks. Quintus Brown, what if we get Daniel Bryan instead of Punk? Would that be a big letdown? I think for the people in Chicago it would be, yes. I think he'd get a fine reaction, but you can't you can't swerve the audience like that. Sometimes you got to give the people what they're expecting. You got to give the people what they want. Don't play games. Don't be cute. You know, don't don't pull a Russo swerve just for the sake of pulling a swerve. There's only one thing that AEW should be doing. That's it. And you know what that is. Uh, Sean in the chat, how much does a membership cost? There are two tiers. One, the basic one is $4.99. Uh, and the higher one, which gets you access to the retro audio, which is going up in uh, in drops, uh, that is the $9.99 tier. Uh, but regardless of what tier you're on, you'll you'll get access to the Discord, whether it's the top one or the bottom one. So either way. Uh, Austin Hicks. Oh, Boombox Brock. I do miss Boombox Brock. Austin Hicks, I'm going to be in the United Center on Friday. I cannot wait. I predict 950,000 viewers. Abdul Rahman. Have fun, by the way. Drop drop us some uh, comments when the show is over. Let me know how the show is live. Uh, let's see here. Chris Manson. Oh, not Chris Manson. Uh, Abdul Rahman, it always makes me laugh when you say Alberto Del Dipshit. I'm glad you're entertained. I only say it because it's true. Chris Manson, favorite AEW entrance songs. Love Darby Allen's song. 
Uh, I actually like John Moxley's original AEW instrumental theme. I wish he would go back to it. <laughs> I actually really liked his music. I think I liked it a little bit more than his WWE music, and I like that too. So I would say Moxley, Darby Allen. Um, I had to pick one more. Favorite AEW music. Honestly, those those might be the uh, those might be my two favorites. Darby Darby might be my favorite though. I might go with Darby. Hangman Page is good too. Uh, you can that that's a actual piece of music. It's on Spotify. It's called. Uh, let me get. You, I'll get you the name. It's short though. Like his music on Spotify, it's like it's very short. It's like a minute long. <laughs> but let me uh, let me get you the name of it. I think it's called. Uh, hold on. I li- I like Hangman Page's music. I, I enjoy the uh, the theme. It is... Uh, now I can't find it. <laughs> oh, now I can't find it. Well, anyway. Here it is. Ghost Town Triumph. So if you have Spotify or YouTube, you want to look it up. Ghost Town Triumph by Vincent Padula. Which I guess AEW released as Hangman's Tale, so you could just look that up too. So yeah, I, I like the I like those songs. I like those would probably be my uh, my top picks. Britt Baker is good too. Britt Baker has good music. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mike Weeks, love the stream. Appreciate what you do. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you. Dr. NXT Scorpio, I'm surprised AEW did not pipe in crowd noise for Jericho's entrance. Oh, wait, wrong company. I enjoyed the show overall. Great review as usual. Yeah, the uh, the piped in crowd stuff. Yeesh, it's, it's got to stop on, uh, on Raw. Mainly Raw. I don't know if they do it as much on SmackDown, but it's very noticeable. And uh, that shit's got to stop. I told you, though. I told you that would happen. I mean, I said, oh, thank God they're getting out of the Thunderdome. I said, oh, yeah, it's, it's nice that they're getting out of the Thunderdome. But if you think they're going to stop manipulating the crowd noise just because they're out of the Thunderdome, you're out of your mind. And they have not stopped. They have their new toy to play with. Do you think they're going to give that up so easily? Dry Chicken. Five and a half million viewers for AEW Rampage. United Center will give Vince McMahon a heart attack. Although I am not wishing it. Well, then I guess he doesn't have anything to worry about because they're not getting five and a half million viewers. Ah, yes. Jungle Boy. How could I forget? Of course. Of course. I love Jungle Boy. Tarzan Boy by uh, Baltimore. How could I forget that? (laughs) Yes, I'm a huge fan of uh, Jungle Boy's theme song. Uh, Jacob Barnes, I have a feeling Andrade's terms for the all-out match with Pac will be that if he wins, the Lucha Bros will have to work with him. I feel that you are probably right. I think we are heading to the end of Death Triangle, is what I am thinking. To be honest with you, I I mean, I like Death Triangle, but I think Penta and uh, Phoenix with Andrade just makes more sense. Actually, I, I think I like that more. So... I am in agreement with you about the stipulation. We got another Super Chat coming in. This might be the last one. First time online with the $5 drop. Do you think Punk and Colt 
We'll have a Macho and Elizabeth moment at some point. <laughs> uh, no. Are we talking like a reunion, like WrestleMania 7, where they run into each other's arms, tears in their eyes, and Punk puts Colt up on his shoulders and looks up and says, Unbelievable. And holds the ropes open for him when he goes to leave the ring. And then Taz on commentary can play the role of Bobby Heenan and talk about how this mushy crap makes him sick. No, I don't believe we're going to have that moment. Alright, so we are all caught up now on your Super Chats. I want to thank you guys for uh, showing me the love tonight. We're at almost 350 likes, which is awesome. See if we can get that up even a little bit more. Every like helps. Every like helps here on the uh, on the stream when it comes to these videos. So that's why I ask you guys to do it. And even the clips that go up each week. The little clips that are from the main podcast. If you like those videos too, it helps the show out. Helps the channel out. Doesn't cost you a thing. Bread Hart. Which AEW wrestler could use the song What is Love by Hathaway? Uh... Probably QT Marshall. Because I don't get the sense that QT Marshall gets a lot of love. He probably doesn't know what it's like to be loved. So I think what is love actually works perfectly for QT. Turtlehead. I was wondering where you were. If you look at a cult of personality video on YouTube, the comments are littered with people talking about punk and AEW posts. It is going to be big. Yeah, I'm sure all the non-wrestling fans who are just, you know, fans of the song are like, "What? What is this punk shit? <laughs> why? Why is the? Why are these wrestling fans posting under every single video? Every time somebody new debuts or returns, if they have like a real song, it always. If you go to the video on YouTube for that song, it's just, you know, anybody else here after seeing the ad for WrestleMania? Anybody else here after seeing, you know, so and so's debut on the show tonight? And I could just picture all the non-wrestling fans like, oh, God. It's the invasion of the wrestling fans. Somebody mentioned Zicky Dice in the chat. Zicky Dice just signed with Impact Wrestling, former NWA star Zicky Dice. I believe he just signed a deal with Impact. But Oz and Gloria says, Malachi Black's music is awesome. Also, am I the only one who hopes Punk comes out to Miseria Cantare instead of Cult of Personality? No. I think Cult of Personality, it's going to be Cult of Personality, and, and he'll get a bigger pop that way, but I, I kind of wish he would come out to the old music. I like that AFI song. And I almost wish that there was a hybrid of the two. So maybe they play the AFI song. You know how it has that slow open, and then you hear the static, and then it goes into Cult of Personality. But they're probably just better off having Cult of Personality hit, especially if there's like a big beatdown going on at the end of the show. Yeah, imagine if John Moxley is being overwhelmed by 2.0 and Daniel Garcia or, you know, someone else maybe. Or him and Darby are being overwhelmed and then boom, cult of personality hits. And I don't think Punk should run to the ring. I think he should walk out and kind of absorb the reaction. But I think you want to go with cult of personality as much as I, I do like the old music. I just think for a big return like this... You want you want to go with the uh, cult of personality song. I just think it's going to work better. Uh, if you missed it, I mentioned at the beginning of the stream. I know we had some people uh, coming in late. 
that uh, we have a brand new hour-long members-only Q&A video that I recorded just the other day. It is up for all of our channel members. So regardless of what tier you are on, you can go and watch that video. I answered a whole bunch of questions. And I want to get this up here. I want you guys to take a look at this. Let me just get this. uh, There we go. Get that situated here. What you are looking at on your screen is the schedule that I put together for this week. So I am going to be live tomorrow night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the channel. we got a lot of streaming going on. So we've already knocked off review number one. This has been fun. We're going to do it again tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be back here live on YouTube with SummerSlam predictions, and I want to hear your predictions. We might even take phone calls. I haven't done that in a while. So be prepared for that. Super chats, all that fun stuff. That's tomorrow night. Friday, of course, AEW Rampage. First dance. As soon as the first dance goes off the air after 11 o'clock, come on back here. We get to talk about all of it. And then Saturday is SummerSlam from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Immediately after the show is over, I will be live on YouTube Sunday will be episode 718 on all the usual audio platforms. You'll get the main podcast and Sunday night, TakeOver 36. I am looking forward to the UK title match. I am looking forward to Samoa Joe's in-ring return against Karrion Cross. Samoa Joe's first match since February of last year. It's about a year and a half. This man has been out of the ring. We have been deprived of seeing... Samoa Joe back in a ring. And uh, that is going to be something that uh, we can all look forward to. This is a long overdue return to the ring, I think, for Samoa Joe. So, that is the schedule. I wanted you guys to be aware of that. And I hope that you will uh, join me for all of the festivities. We got a Dr. NXT Scorpio Super Chat coming in. (laughs) Sky Genie in the chat says, oh, look, a day off on Saturday. Not for me. Maybe for you, but not for me. I don't even know when I'm sleeping. I guess I'll sleep when I'm dead. Dr. NXT Scorpio, you forgot to add Monday to the schedule. No, I didn't. I intentionally left that off the schedule. Oh, the Alan Parsons Project. Yeah, I forgot about that. Maybe uh, that, that might be the music he uses. I still feel like it should be Cult of Personality, though. I just think that that would be... You know, for his big return to get that big reaction. People love that song. Punk does not strike me as a person that wants to go backwards. That's why I say he is not doing cult of personality. All right, you may be right. I guess we will find out. But I just think people are familiar with it. So if he debuts with it, he doesn't have to keep it. You know, one of the things that really irked me, and it's a minor thing, but when Bret Hart came back and... 2010 to WWE. When he came out and that initial guitar riff hit, it was all pumped up, right? And then I heard it was almost like somebody took his entrance music and put it through like a wood chipper. (laughs) And it was being just, you know, murdered or something. And the music wasn't terrible, but I was hoping and expecting to hear his WWE theme music. And it's like, I just thought to myself, these fuckers, they have to just, they have to just, Change and tweak things when they don't need to be changed or tweaked. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave it alone. 
I kind of feel that way about this too. But I, that's one of the things that always irked me about Brett's comeback in 2010. They changed his music and they didn't have to do it. They changed it for no good reason. Always pissed me off. CM Punk debuts to the old Shield music. Personally, I think This Fire Burns was a better song. That was a good song. Beowulf, I agree. That was a good... I don't know better, but I enjoyed that song too. Bread Hart says, was that Jim Johnston's fault? I don't think it had anything to do with Jim Johnston. Jim Johnson, I think, was still working with them at that point, so I don't think it has anything to do with him. Griga says, I blame Bucky Beaver. Yeah, I blame him too. When in doubt, just blame him. Ty in the chat says, This fire burns is the best I've seen AFI and Kill Switch live. I'd have to always say Kill Switch. Also, Punk loves songs with black lead singers. Really unique and cool. I did not know that. Is that a fact? Is that a known fact? Or are you just guessing? You know that Kill Switch song was originally Randy Orton's. He even came out to it once, I think, on SmackDown. Some people may not know that. But that was originally a song meant for Randy Orton. It's like Real American was not Hulk Hogan's song. That was for the U.S. Express. That was for Wyndham and Rotundo, and it ended up with Hogan. I can't picture Hogan. I know Hogan did Eye of the Tiger. And uh, he wouldn't have been able to use it because they got away from using actual songs. So I, I don't know what they would have used for Hogan if not Real American. I can't picture old Hogan back then coming out to anything other than Real American. Punk is a Hootie and the Blowfish fan. Aren't we all? Hey, Krishan Brown just subscribed to the channel. Thank you, Krishan. Welcome. You are in for a lot of streaming this week. You got a lot of content coming your way. Yeah, Mike in the chat, and then we'll end with this. He says, put yourself in punk shoes, goosebumps and chills, that hot crowd, unreal. You know, I said weeks ago, it's going to be special for punk because that building, not not just that it's in Chicago, I mean, that's going to be special, obviously. Punk was at the first SummerSlam in the, or really the first wrestling event in the United Center, I think was the first event in the United Center in 94, which was SummerSlam. And that was the night Bret Hart and Owen Hart had their classic cage match. He was in the building that night as a young fan. So for him to come back after all these years in that very same building that he used to go to and that he was in for SummerSlam all those years ago and get the reaction that I'm sure he's going to get on Friday, I mean, you live for that kind of stuff, right? If you're a performer, if you're a wrestler, you got to live for that. You live for that kind of pop. You live for that kind of reaction. After seven years away, it's going to be special for him, I'm sure. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun night. Clag Daddy. Hi, Solomonster. Huge fan since about episode 70. Don't often catch the live stuff being in Australia. About time that I dropped in and supported you. Thank you. From all the way over in Aussie land, we have Clag Daddy joining us tonight. Welcome to... Clag Daddy, a new channel member. Happy to have you part of the crew. And Abdul Rahman, will under a million be a disappointing number for Rampage? I, I believe it will. I, I believe anything under a million to me would be disappointing. But it's part of this grand experiment where they're, they're promoting something that they didn't really 
actively promote, right? So you don't know what kind of audience you're going to get. If they had just come out and said, hey, CM Punk is going to be in Chicago on Friday, you would have had a lot more people tuning in than are going to tune in on Friday. I don't know how many more. So by doing it this way, they're sacrificing, they could be sacrificing a couple of hundred thousand viewers. But will they still be able to get over the million mark just based on online hype? I I think they have to. Otherwise, I, I look at it as a disappointing number. So I'm I'm predicting 1.3. That's my prediction. Shark Riley in the chat. Hello, Solomonster from Ukraine. What's going on, Shark? One of my good friends, his family is from Ukraine. One of my favorite restaurants in Manhattan is a Ukrainian diner called Viselka. 24-hour Ukrainian diner. They got great food there. I love me some Ukrainian food. CM Punk comes out to the sound off intro. That would that would be uh, that would be interesting. That that would certainly be something. All right, guys, we have hit the two-hour mark. Uh, I want to thank you all for your support here tonight. We got a lot more streaming to do this week. I'm going to be live again in less than 24 hours. With SummerSlam predictions. And I hope you will join me then. Even if you're not interested in SummerSlam, join me anyway. Come support the channel. We'll be back with you tomorrow and again on Friday for Rampage. The first dance. Oh, wait, we got more Super Chats here. Look at this. You guys don't want me to end. Jake Rand. Kira Hogan and her booty signing with AEW. Kira Hogan is a very attractive woman. I will keep it classy here. So is Jade Cargill. And Matt Wiley with the five bucks. Have you heard about Vince's huge SummerSlam plans to counter Punk? What do you think they will be? I have not heard of him having big SummerSlam plans to counter Punk. I don't believe that they are countering or counter-programming to CM Punk. Whatever they may have planned for SummerSlam, whether it's a a big return or if it's a Becky Lynch or a Brock Lesnar or I don't know what else it would be, I don't think it has anything to do with CM Punk. I, I, I honestly don't think it has anything to do with him. I think that's just a lot of noise, a lot of rumor. I could be wrong, but I don't think one has to do with the other. You know, all this talk about The Rock. They're trying to get The Rock for Brooklyn for Survivor Series in November. I'd be very surprised if we saw The Rock on Saturday. Uh, but even if we did, what does that have to do with CM Punk? They've been trying to get The Rock for, for a year. <laughs> if they finally managed to get The Rock for a big stadium show that, yeah, that they booked, I don't think it has anything to do with CM Punk. Be well. Stay safe. Go get some sleep. I'm going to try to get a few hours here. And uh, join me again tomorrow night. I will be back with you at 8 p.m. Eastern for SummerSlam predictions. Till then, take care, guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.